I hope so, because we're, we're here for the Lord. We're here to worship Him. And um, I, I, I hope that you're here with open hearts. You're here to, to hear from Him. To not only, we just uh, spent some time, you know, the last uh, 20 minutes or so, 25 minutes, just worshiping the Lord. And so that in and of itself should be enough. Uh, you know, having prepared yourself and digging into God's word and, and knowing his faithfulness, knowing that he loves us in truth and his grace has been poured out upon us because of that. And because of the gra- that grace, we know that he has been merciful toward us. And we have that peace that surpasses all understanding. And with that, that is enough, right? And yet... We get to, as has been prayed, we get to sit at his feet and hear from him according to his word. And so that's what we should be excited about and looking forward to. This morning, we're going to go into and uh, go through all 13 verses of the one chapter that we find in John's second letter. So we're in 2 John. And the title of this morning's message is Walk in Truth and Love. Now, if you were here back in 2015, that's the last time we went through this this epistle of John. If you weren't, we're going through it for the first time as a church. But Walk in Truth and Love is what we have before us this morning and in the second, uh, in, in John's second letter, and let's begin by reading 2 John chapter 1, in verse 1, says, the, the elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete the children of your elect sister greet you. Father, what a beautiful letter this is. Lord, it's, uh, these are words that you have spoken to us this morning. Words of uh, admonishment, of exhortation, as well as words of warning. Reminding us of whom we belong to. And how it is that we have come into a relationship with you our God, through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who paid for our sins. And it is he who, whom we desire to bless, to glorify, to serve. And yet there are deceivers. There is Satan, his minion, the flesh, the world, those things that desire to take us away, to deceive us, distract us, and even destroy us. Lord, fool us into thinking something that is not true. And so, Lord, I ask that you would speak to us this morning. Help us, Lord, to 
Increase in our faith as we hear your word. Be strengthened by your spirit to gain an understanding and grow in wisdom that we may rightly apply your word with that understanding. And so, Father, we commit this time into your hands, Lord. We ask your blessing, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So walk in truth and love. That's what we have before us as we just read through John's second letter. You know, as you may have noted, uh, this letter does not have an actual salutation, like, you know, who it's addressed to and exactly who it's from. There's no, there's no, there are no names that are included in the salutation, in the introduction that we have before us. And so we do not have an explicit reference to the writer, but at the same time there are obvious similarities from these letters and the Gospel of John to indicate that all three letters were written indeed by John. There is no question about that as far as who it was that wrote these letters. We also, though, as we perhaps noted, we, we don't have the name of the person this is written to, just the, the elect sister and her children. But we don't have the actual name of that woman, but we'll talk about that in a few moments. Because what we do have is enough to know that this letter is from John, addressed to a believer or a group of believers, and that the purpose of the letter is to urge discernment, the the exercising of discernment. I think, especially in the day in which we're living in, this, this is critical to the believer, to be able to tell the difference between that which is true and that which is false. This is exactly what this letter is admonishing this woman to do. He is urging, he is pleading with her to exercise discernment regarding love and truth. Being able to distinguish between those who are deceivers and those who are genuine believers, followers of Jesus Christ, disciples of Jesus Christ. There are many antichrists today. I'm not talking about the antichrist. I'm talking about antichrist, deceivers, those who are manipulating and twisting the word of God to fulfill their own desires. Third John 1.5 points to the fact that in this day it was common for people to welcome into their homes believers who were, who were bringing about the gospel of Jesus Christ, preaching and teaching evangelists. They would bring them into their homes. And 3 John 1.5 says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are. This is again a reference to those who traveled as evangelists and teachers of the gospel, taking it from one place to another, from one town to another. John making reference to them in this third letter and urging the Christians to be discerning of who they are supporting as he warns of deceivers in this second letter. The third letter making reference to the fact that they would show them hospitality and bring them into their homes while they did the work in those specific towns. Because if they don't if they're not mindful, if they're not discerning about who they're allowing into their homes, they might be unintentionally contributing to the furtherance of heresy rather than truth. So the question is, well, pastor, we don't do that today, right? We, we don't really have traveling evangelists, really, not, not in the same way we, we did in that day. We don't have traveling evangelists who... Who, who go from town to town, city to city, and are looking for a home to stay in. You know, we have hotels, Pastor. We, we have places that normally we put people up in and if they come in and speak at, at our churches. So what does this have to do with this today? 
It seems to be maybe in a way irrelevant. No, it's, it's applicable today. We may not have the same manner and we, we may not have the same, same uh, methods of, of spreading the gospel as, as they did back in that day. But the warning still applies. The admonishment. Tell me, does everyone have a physical Bible? Maybe a, a Bible app? Yeah. On your phone, do you have YouTube, podcasts? You see, today we have the technology to stream live events. We have podcasts. We, could, we have all kinds of people that uh, <clears throat> claim to know the Word of God and, and are just teaching the Word of God. And, and you listen. You can listen to anyone on a podcast or on YouTube. Some people, they're like, they're obsessed with YouTube, right? They go from teacher to 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 teacher. And they just go, well, I listen to so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. Well, because of the endless sources of information coming your way, is this not applicable? Because you need to, I believe, be even more discerning, more knowledgeable about the Word of God and sound doctrine, as perhaps even they would be in that day. Who you invite into your home to sit before you and speak to you and whom you lend your ear to is important to discern. Choose widely, wisely. Choose rightly. Choose well. Because if you're undiscerning what you're doing in reality, when you turn on YouTube, when you start watching a video, is you've just welcomed whoever it was into your living room. You are listening. You are giving them your time and attention. And instead of having one home with one traveling evangelist, one traveling teacher, what happens is that teacher doesn't even have to physically be in your home. You are bringing him in, and not only you, but so many others as well. So is it applicable today? Absolutely. John emphasizes love and truth. You know, yesterday I watched a video of a lady who was painting the steps leading up to the entrance of a church. She and another man were painting them in rainbow colors. I don't know, did anyone, these videos come across and then, well, they were painting them in rainbow colors but they weren't to signify or declare God's covenant of promising to never flood the earth again and providing the rainbow as a reminder of that covenant. That wasn't the purpose of them painting those steps leading up to the church. The lady was actually painting these steps to symbolize inclusiveness. This is something that has crept into, um, you could say, mainstream Christianity or pop, popular, I don't know, it's like, it's another Christianity. It's wokeism and intolerance. I mean, it, it's not tolerance in the, in the sense to where uh, uh, the church is tolerable of, of any and all sin is nonsense. It's not even biblical. That's the very reason why Jesus went to the cross. To pay for those sins in full, to atone for them. Well, this man was recording this lady. 
And he, was, he did this very well. He was recording this lady who was painting the steps leading up to the church. And again, he asked what, what this meant. So it, it, it expressed an acceptance of the LGBTQIA plus community. The question I want to ask you, and this is what we need to be discerning of. We need to know this, okay? Does God take us as we are? You guys can answer. <laughs> yes, he does take us as we are. Does he desire to, that we remain as we are, though? No, right? Genuine repentance does not allow for us to remain as we are because we confess and repent, which means that we are remorseful. We grieve our sin knowing that it has separated us from the Father. And so we confess that sin. It grieves us. We acknowledge that's what separated us. And so therefore we ask for forgiveness and we repent of that sin and we turn to God nobody has to lay out for me when I first came to Christ no one had to tell me exactly what I was doing wrong or else what what did I what did I repent of what did I confess I wouldn't have known I, I was just emotional and I wanted to Join everyone else going up to the front to pray? No, no, no. You turn from your sins and you turn to Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 9, the Apostle Paul writes, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You know, that whole list, it, it, it gives us and it breaks down in, in, in the like those who are habitually in their sin, those who have never confessed their sin and repented of their sin, will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, Romans 3.10 says, None is righteous, no, not one. So none of us can say, well, I don't belong to that list. Oh, no, you belong to that list. Prior to coming to Christ, you, you, you belong to that, that list. In fact, verse 11 says, And such were some of you. Were That's past tense. Today you are no longer. Can you imagine me saying, you know, today I just want to say that I am a, um, well, I'm, I'm an alcoholic Christian. I just want to let you know. I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic Christian. Um, or I am a, a lying, uh, a, I can't say lying Christian. Well, I, I guess so. Lying Christian or... Uh, coveting Christian or something like that. You, we can't put a label before, before Christian and then just still mean we, are, we belong to Christ. Why? Because we're new creatures in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, all has become new. New. I point this out because this lady, when questioned, said that 
This inclusiveness expressed God's unconditional love that accepted however a person chooses to live. So I'm talking about the video. She also admitted that she really doesn't read the Bible. So how can you claim to know how God defines love and not knowing what God's word says about love and how he defines it? This was, a, this was a God that was being shaped and formed in her own mind. She was, um, she was saying what God should be. Perhaps she chose to ignore the God of the Bible because God says that this is an abomination. We just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This, including everything else that we read in that list, it's an abomination to the Lord. It's an offense to him. And if not repented of, will lead each person right to hell. There is no question about that. There's no arguing with God. One day we will stand before him and we will be judged. It has nothing to do with our opinion. That is why I plead to you also, as the word of God does, as God himself desires that none should perish, but that all reach repentance, I plead with you at this very moment. If there's anything that you need to confess to the Lord, that you would lay it down before him. Confess to him, repent, and ask Jesus to be Lord and Savior. I say that in truth and love. Because truth and love would express a love that warns of this and points a people, a person, a nation to Jesus Christ. But there are too many people who are allowing people like this woman to influence their view of who God is. Who are you giving your attention to? But there are other more subtle deviations from sound doctrine that the untrained mind would be fooled by and therefore, again, unintentionally propagating heresy rather than truth by inviting them into your living room, giving them your time and attention. This is what John was warning against. You know, again, in the first verse as we... Consider the letter that John wrote. He refers to himself as the elder. This indicates that John must have been well known by the recipient of this letter. It's believed that this is also making reference not only to his age, because John at this point was known to be about 90 years old. So he was an old man. Elder in age, but also... Some believe that this is a reference to himself as elder as far as the, uh, the, the official position or calling that God had appointed to him as apostle. Now the reference to the elect lady and her children has two schools of thought, so I want to share them both with you. One school of thought is that this letter is addressed to a specific woman and her children, although not named, just it is addressed to a specific woman and her children whom John loves in truth as well as all who also know the truth. So she is a woman who is of utmost spiritual integrity. And then those who are walking in truth and love, knowing Jesus Christ, of course, also admire her and love her in truth and love. The second school of thought is that this was addressed to a local church and the individuals who make that church up, a fellowship of saints. I appreciate what David Guzik lends to this in his commentary, saying that he believes that the letter was written without specific names because it was written during a time of persecution. And so if it was during a time of persecution, then, of course, John did not want to identify himself, and he didn't want to identify the woman by name, lest they are persecuted themselves. And so if the letter was found, then there was no one to go to. There's no one to address. No one to arrest. Now, this letter might sound very familiar, to what we, we just went over in 1 John. 
In fact, eight of the 13 verses in this chapter either reiterates in word or in sentiment what was taught in John's first letter. And so it's, a, it's an emphasis, it's an application of what we just read and studied in 1 John. So when we read here that John loves the elect lady and her children in truth, and not only he, but also all who know the truth, we can look back at verses throughout 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, verse 10 says, Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. 1 John chapter 3, verse 10 says, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. 1 John 5, 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not does not love, does not know God, because God is love. In verse 2, in 2 John, it says, Because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. It's for that reason. Because of the sincerity, the genuineness of the believer's faith. They too are able to and express a love for this woman and her children or that local church and the brothers and sisters there in truth and love. We also see here how it is that you want to be encouraged by something. Know this, truth endures forever. It's eternal. It's the same yesterday as it is today and will be forever. It doesn't change. And then verse 3 says, Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. Again, there is that combination of truth and love. To those who know Jesus as Lord and Savior, this greeting is written confidently knowing this to be true in Christ by God's truth and love. You know, a person can never know God's grace, His mercy, and His peace without first having and knowing His truth and His love. Grace, mercy, and peace all come about because of God's truth and love toward you. God de- but God demonstrates his love toward you and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It came by way of his love for us and the truth of God's word. Now, knowing all this, we go into verse 4, which is the commendation. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth just as we were commanded by the Father So whether it be a woman and her children or the local church and the people, it is true. It is true that there would be great rejoicing knowing that they are walking in the truth just as we are commanded by the Father. You know, I I often quote 3 John 1.4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Because it is true. I have no greater joy. I, I would want nothing, nothing more than that. If I knew that they were walking in the truth, then I, I would be content. That's it. That's all I'm asking. There would be great rejoicing. Great rejoicing. I don't care if it's one woman with her children. Or if it's a church knowing that some are walking in the truth. So this was a, a commendation. If someone were to say that of you and your family, that'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? If some said that of refuge, that'd be wonderful. We'd all rejoice, right? 
There's this short, succinct, to the point, clear commendation that John offered this woman. And then he goes straight into the exhortation and warning in verses 5 through 11. In verse 5, it says, and now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. And so John, John pleads. He pleads with this dear lady. To demonstrate love toward one another. John chapter 13 verse 35. Jesus said by this all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. And then Jesus said in John 14 15. If you love me you will keep my commandments. And so what, what John was writing was nothing new. Nothing new whatsoever. But it is something worth pleading for just really laying out a, a burdened desire for this person to continue in this, but knowing how to continue in truth and love and expressing that toward one another. It's worth pleading for because it glorifies God. If, if you see any deviation anything that undermines that, then, then we want to, our desire is to correct that. To not allow it to continue. Because it shows that we are genuine believers of Jesus Christ and we love Him. Know this. The integrity of our faith is always measured by our actions and obedience to the Word of God. As we choose to love one another and as we choose to keep God's commands, because those are choices. It has nothing to do with how we're feeling or the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Actually, it's in those moments when in spite of those circumstances or how we feel, we choose to love the Lord by obeying His commandments that we demonstrate a love toward Him. James put it, Put it this way in James 2.17. He said, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. You see, you cannot divorce truth and love. God is truth and he is love. If you walk with Jesus, that is live your life according to not only the oversight, but also the authority of God's word then you will live your life, walk in both truth and love. You can't separate the two. I said that as we went through 1 John, and it's worth saying again, and then repeating it again and again and again. You cannot separate the two. In fact, Jesus, in his high priestly prayer in John 17, 17, said, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says, Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And so this was John's exhortation toward the woman and her children, or you could say the local church, urging them to walk in truth and love, and so it is with us. We are urged. We, we have God's pleading with us by his word. Admonishment. To walk in truth and love. But how do we maintain that? How do we, how do we guard that? Well, beware of deceivers. Verse 7, John goes on to say, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win, in, uh, win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. 
In Acts chapter 20, in verse 28, while Paul was speaking to the elders in Ephesus, he warned them, beginning in verse 28, he said, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his, with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. God is able, as he gives us his word and warns us of these things, we should take heed. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus said this, Beware of false apostles, Who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them By their fruits. You see, you have to know the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of repentance for you to know and be able to recognize what the fruits of a good tree is, are, and what the fruits of a bad tree are, good and bad. You you have to be able to discern the difference between the two. In fact, in Jude, verses 3 and 4. Jude writes, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. I would encourage you to read the the whole letter of of Jude. Now, the warnings are abundant. They're clear. Know that the enemy does not look like the enemy. There's a reason why there's camouflage and there's the art of disguise. The enemy can disguise himself into and appear like an angel of light. If Satan can do that, surely his minions can do that. And certainly there are those who are false who can do that, kind of just blend in. And they will fool the undiscerning. There are people who may confess the coming of Jesus in the flesh in word, by their confession, but in life they demonstrate they do not really confess this. They do not believe this. They do not believe what they, what they say. There is no expectation of Jesus' return and no divine reverence for him, no reverence for his word, no transformation, no evidence of a new life in Christ whom they profess to believe and follow. There is no desire even to read, let alone abide by the word of God. There is no fruit that comes from abiding in Christ from the Holy Spirit himself. Those are things that should be evident in the person who claims to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In fact, we just read Jesus' own words. By this you will know them, right? By their fruit. Are you known by the fruit that you have producing in your own life? Not by your own efforts, but by the very spirit that indwells you. Know this. The one who lives in accordance to the word of God has both the Father and the Son. That's what we read here in 2 John. 
but whoever does not live according to the word of God. And we already read this in 1 John. Whoever does not live in accordance with the word of God does not know the Father or the Son. I don't know how much more clear that can be. You want to know how to maintain your spiritual integrity, walking with the Lord and walking in truth and love? Keep yourselves away from these types of people. Now, if you're a new believer, if you're a new believer, then I'm gonna, we're going to go into verses 10 and 11 here because we need to know how to respond to these people. But John very clearly states, careful that you do not receive... These people, be careful who you allow into your living room and you give your attention to. In fact, fact, 1 John 2.18 says, Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that this is the last hour. So beware of deceivers. Many have gone out into the world. Lastly, do not receive a deceiver. Verse 10 says, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Have you ever heard the saying, chew the meat and spit out the bones? You've heard that? You guys okay? I know this is... Really, it's serious, and, and, and I know that. But this is something that we, we receive. We, we think about, right? Think about these things. But I've heard that, that idiom. Chew the meat and spit out the bones. I, I've heard that applied to false teachers, compromised teachers of the word. It pretty much gives the person, the green light to listen to whoever that person would like to, right? I can listen to anyone. As far as studying is concerned, if you want to, you know, look at some false teachers and catch an example of them, I understand that. That's part of research, right? That's part of preparing for a message, perhaps, or or a paper that you have in in, uh, uh, Bible college or something like that, right? but not so good when it comes to just your daily listening to and then gleaning information from. Don't do that. I'm not saying that. It matters, it, it matters a little to nothing what I share with you if it does not align with God's word. Okay? So don't, don't take it from me. Take it from God himself. He says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. Well, that's very unloving. That's not very hospitable. This thought of chewing the meat and spitting out the bones is unbiblical. It is not right. Romans chapter 16 and verses 17 and 18. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus, our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, They deceive the hearts of the naive. In fact, not only are we not to receive a deceiver, but we are also to point them out and avoid them. Mark mark them at. Avoid them. Uh, Some examples of this. In in case you, you, that's what you were, you didn't have examples. Here's a few. Demas was pointed out in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 10 by the Apostle Paul, saying that he loved this world and deserted the ministry of the Lord. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, 
Phygelus and Hermogenes, uh, well, they were pointed out as well. They turned away. Hymenius and Alexander were pointed out in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, as having rejected the faith. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 17, it says their talk will spread like gangrene. Gangrene is not healthy, right? Pointed out, among them are Hymenius and Philetus. So those are examples of marking them, making sure. See, the loving thing is, is to tell someone, hey, listen, just warning, right? Bad company corrupts good morals. Just know that that association is going to do you no good whatsoever. Avoid this person because they're a false teacher. When we receive and promote false teaching, we are spreading condemnation and death and inadvertently spreading heresy. John very clearly states it is not loving to receive that person, not even greeting them, let alone inviting them into your home and lending them your ear. Hey, listen, I want to point out, if you're a new believer and you are not studied up in the Word of God, do not engage with some, someone like a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness. They'll tie you up, chew you up, and spit you out. All right? Because they have been indoctrinated. They are trained to prey on those who are undiscerning and not knowledgeable of the Word of God. Instead, do this. Sign up for the Bible studies. Read the Word. Study the Word. And allow other brothers and sisters to come alongside you and build you up in your faith. Okay? Do not greet them. Do not welcome them into your home. Okay? Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, and I can go on down the list, do not call them brothers and sisters in Christ. They do not serve the same God. Um, Latter-day Saints, they believe that Jesus is a God, not God. Um, Jehovah's Witness, like whether they think that they believe that he's Michael the Archangel or the brother of Lucifer. That is not the same God that we worship. There's only one God, and that's not him. And so I just, I want to warn you if, you, if you do not know how to contend for the faith, then do not engage with them. Do not greet them, and do not welcome them in. That is a warning from the Word of God. We need to love what God loves and hate what God hates. And let's conclude. Let's bring this to a close. Verse 12 says, Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. Children of your elect sister, greet you. And so we have even in, in that closing, John, John is a very personable man, an apostle. Remember, he was the one, the beloved of, of Jesus, He's the one who uh, was described as, as leaning up against Jesus. He was very close to him. And so he was a, a man that I would imagine would, would gather around him people. And, you know, he, he addresses the, the believers as, as little children. He was that, uh, that grandfather who was very wise in the word and, and would love to have, him, have people just come around, just ask questions. In address. But he says in verse 13, the children of your elect sister greet you. I'm wondering, I'm thinking more and more, this, is, this was a letter to a church and the fellowship. By the way, this other church greets you as well. And all the children. Let us greet one another with love. Let us demonstrate that love toward one another. I'm going to leave you with, the, with this. <clears throat> Again, the question is, does God love everyone and everything? Just think about that, okay? We've already gone through what we went through. Is love accepting of everything and everyone, no matter what? That leads into this question, why was the Son of God sent? And what is God's desire of all? Of course, the 
Encouragement is to walk in truth and love toward God and one another. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, and there's salvation in no one else. No other name. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Listen, we've all fallen short. None is righteous, no, not one. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, we've all sinned, right? But God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And in that, we know salvation as we cry upon him because it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you have never surrendered your life to Christ, if you don't know a transformative work in your life, giving you a new heart, a new purpose, a new hope, you would know that like it would be a distinction, a conversion. Knowing that you have come alive in Christ. I pray that this would be the day of salvation today. Today you would cry out to the Lord and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. How do I do that? You confess your sins. It should grieve you that your sins are the ones that are separating you from a relationship with the Father. And with that grieving, you humbly come before the Lord and you confess that to the Lord. Ask Jesus to be your Lord, your Savior, to give you that new heart, to fill you with his Holy Spirit. To give you the assurance of heaven in your faith in Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God dying for your sins, was resurrected on the third day, and has ascended to the right hand of the Father. Cry out to him. Cry out and plead with him to save you from eternal condemnation. Repent and believe. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, as this letter is, is written to believers, Lord, at the same time, we are made aware Lord, of the, of the end that comes to those who do not believe, and that is eternal condemnation, suffering, or separation from you. And so I do pray that this morning, Lord, we, there would be recommitments, Lord, a, Lord, a strengthening of your church, and Lord, anyone who doesn't, does not know you as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of salvation and they would completely give themselves to you, crying out to you. So we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your grace, your love. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.